All right, well, that's just not fair to have to preach after that. <laughs> he is worthy, amen? He is worthy of all glory and honor. And as we uh, come together today, I just want to uh, make one other announcement, and I want to, you can be honest with this, but if you had to share Jesus Christ with someone else right now that did not know the Lord, would you know what to say? This coming Sunday, next Sunday, the 23rd, uh, we are recovering the four stories um, as we prepare our hearts uh, for the, the big event that we are doing in August uh, August 7th, the uh, uh, evangelistic outreach that we're doing with the other churches. Um, we are revisiting the story and actually taking the time this time to actually break into small groups and actually work through the four stories that you would share. God's their story, God's story, your story, and then really how we all fit into the church, the church's story. And uh, we'd love to have you come, even if you don't think you're going to be there for the event. It's always good to know how would you share the story of Jesus Christ with other people. Um, yesterday I did a service, um, a memorial service, where I was actually told, I don't want you to talk about God. I said, well, then I'm not talking. And, and I said, God's story needs to be shared. And God's story, our stories only make sense because of God's story. And so this is important, you guys, as we move forward as a church and as churches in our community, as we look forward to uh, the Something More Family Festival um, as things really begin to open up again, we're excited about that. We're excited to see what God has in store for us. God is opening doors and answering prayers for us, and we really want to see you join us in that process. Part of it is just being prepared. It's not just coming to a concert and having fun. It's being prepared because at the end, the invitation is going to be given. Actually, the invitation will be given multiple times during that day, and you might be standing next to someone that needs to receive Jesus Christ. And sometimes we always think, well, it's the people we paid. They're the ones that lead people to the Lord. No, it's you and I, the church, the body, the family. So I just really want to encourage you to be a part of that. Um, so it's uh, six, 6 o'clock here at the church, and we'll be revisiting those four stories, condensing them down so that we can actually take time to actually work together and share uh, and do some practicum, some practice. Uh, so today um, we are in... The 13th question, can anyone keep the law of God perfectly? And I want to begin to answer this today um, with a question. And here's the question, um, and, and here it is. Um, how many of you, including myself, have started a day wanting to do what was good, what was right, and what was God-honoring? How many have wanted to start your day that way? Okay. How many of you have failed? Okay. Here's the deal. We want that. We desire that. We want to do good. We want to do what is right. We want to honor God only to find ourselves failing. We, we find ourselves seeking our own wants and our own desires and our own wishes over anything else or anyone else. And at that moment, you ask yourself, I've asked myself this on multiple occasions, sometimes right in the midst of what I'm doing that I know is not right. 
what is wrong with me? Have you ever asked that question? What's going on? Why did I just say that? Why did I just do that? Why did I just think that? There's this battle, you guys, that wages war in our hearts every single day, 24-7. Galatians chapter 5 speaks of that battle that is waging every day. And if you're honest this morning, you know what I'm talking about. You know the struggle that is going on. And even the Apostle Paul personally relates to this issue, this dilemma when he wrote, and I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation, but in Romans chapter uh, 721, he says, I have discovered this principle of life that uh, when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. And we have spent a, a number of weeks now covering the, the commandments, what God requires of us. We've reflected on the commandments and uh, through the catechism questions, and we know that these are the things that God requires of us, of us, and we know that these commandments are the key, really, to loving God and to loving others. But we also understand that since the fall of man in the garden, that no mere human has been able to keep the law of God perfectly, but rather consistently breaks it in thought and word and deed. And so a lot of times, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I've said this, what's the use? Why even try? What's the purpose of God's law? It's big questions, big questions that, I, that we need to look at. And so as, I, as we move forward, just again, looking at God's plan, because I think it's so important for us to understand that God has a plan. Do you believe that today? Okay. God has a plan, and, and, he, and, and so you have, to, you have to go back to the beginning. You have to, you have to begin at the beginning of, of creation itself. When God, uh, that God created us, that God created man, man and woman, Adam and Eve, he created mankind, he created us to love and to enjoy and to glorify and to obey him. And in so doing, we would flourish as human beings under his guidance and protection and provision. That's God's intended plan at creation. That's the way God intended humanity to live. You have to start with the good, with the best, with the right, in order to understand what's wrong. You have to go back to the beginning. That God created us to love Him and enjoy Him and to glorify Him and obey Him. Folks, when we get to heaven and I'm getting a little ahead of myself because I'm going to say it at the end. But that's what you're going to do in heaven. Amen? You're going to love him. You're going to enjoy him. And you're going to glorify him. And you're going to obey him perfectly. In the beginning, God created human beings with the capacity to keep his law perfectly because they were created perfectly in his image. And if we think about the image, God's law then, and we need to look at it this way, God's law, the Ten Commandments, and then the fleshing out of those statutes and precepts and principles of the law then, when you flesh them all out, are the very expression of God's character and His own moral nature. When you look at the law, you must understand that the law it reveals what He is like, what God is like. 
So it must never be looked at as an arbitrary set of rules and a set of rules that, that just God randomly threw out there. It is a picture of God. It gives us a visual working picture of God himself in word and in deed and in thought. God himself. And, and, and since we were made uh, in his image, then following his love was meant then to lead you and I to reflect his very character and his nature in the world that he made. That's why God created human beings. That's why God created you, to reflect his character and his nature. But like incredible machinery, and uh, we were just back in South Carolina and saw a lot of history. Well, it's amazing how uh, machinery itself has, has uh, evolved over the course of time. And what used to take up buildings and buildings of space now can be put inside of a car or a box. And yet here's the deal about machinery. It doesn't matter how big it is or how small it is. When machinery is broken, like incredible machinery that's broken, you and I cannot operate the way we were designed because of sin in us. That began the moment Adam and Eve decided that they could live without God without God in his rightful place. Which, by the way, P.S., I think you've, get, you've gotten this from me, is at the center of everything. And in that moment, sin entered the world and every human being ever to be born. And if you want to read that, read Romans 5. That is Romans 5 right there. That by our first father, Adam, sin entered into the world. And by the second Adam, Jesus Christ, sin was redeemed. It was eradicated. It was erased. It was taken care of. And so again, as we find this, this piece in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, I, I'm just going to say this today, you guys. Because I was taught this in Bible school. Well, this is for the unbeliever. No. This is humanity, folks. This is us. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one is good. No, not even one. Folks, we need to understand that we are not the way that God intended us to be. We are not the way God intended us to be. I'm just going to tell you, as you look at the world that we live in, including yourself, Please understand this. Outside of God and God's plan of redemption through Jesus Christ our Lord, we are all broken. We all need rescued. We all need fixed. We all need repaired. We all need redeemed. And so when we walk into a room, and my friends, when I was told yesterday, please don't talk about God, there was a young man who was hurting because his sister had been taken from him and he was angry. That's part of the story that I didn't tell you. I understand that. I understand that I need to be sensitive to that hurt and that pain. But it doesn't mean that we leave God out of the picture. It's God's story that that young man needed to hear. It along with a, about 80% of the audience that was there that did not believe in Jesus Christ. I'm sure it was pretty close to that yesterday. 
And so as we, as folks, we need to understand the brokenness that we live in. And so as we look at the purpose of the law, the purpose of God's law is to reveal that when we are not living by faith in him, it exposes our sin. It exposes our sinfulness. The law of God, the very character and nature of God expressed and just seen through his law tells us, exposes our sinfulness. It makes us realize how separated we are from him. It exposes our sin. It makes us then realize our need for God, our need for God to, to save us by his grace and that our own works cannot make us right with him. If anything, my friends, the law should say to you and I, I cannot attain. Thus, my title that I put on here today is quit trying and start relying. Quit trying to make it work. Quit trying to, to somehow do this in your own strength or in your own power and start relying on the only one who can save, who can redeem, who can change, who does transform. His name is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the purpose of the law is to reveal that when we don't live by faith, trusting in God, trusting in his dependence and his provision and his protection, when we don't live there, it exposes our sinfulness, our selfishness, and makes us realize our need, our, that we are in deep, desperate need. And that need is for God, for God to save, for God to rescue by his grace. And that our own works do not make us right or worthy or acceptable to him. The second purpose of God's law um, was to point us towards Jesus Christ. Folks, Jesus Christ is our righteousness. Amen? In him, God took all of our unrighteousness and in exchange poured all of Christ's righteousness, which means you didn't have any. You were empty. Christ was he who knew no sin became your sin, my sin. God took out our unrighteousness and in exchange poured in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. In other words, made us right or gave us right standing with God. That is our only hope, his righteousness. So these two purposes then I want to just answer with three Three questions as we as we kind of wade through this and as we begin to wrap these ideas of the, the law. And the first question is this: what does this truth mean in my relationship with God? Because there's there's gonna be um, a, 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 a vertical and a horizontal and then a practical. Okay, so the first is, is our vertical relationship. What does this truth mean in my relationship with God? No single person can be in a right relationship with God based on their own works. We just need to get that in our heads. Folks, I have spent my entire life in the religious community. At, you know, I'm, I'm much better at it now, but trying somehow to be good enough. Can you relate to that? If I'm just good enough, I'll be okay. Okay? That doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to be good. But... If I'm trying to be good enough to gain 
either God's approval or your approval, then it's me attempting to be good in my own strength and in my own power. And I just want you to know I've failed miserably. Okay? Uh, so most areas of our lives and most expressions of praise come through our own attempts to accomplish or gain a certain level of perfection. In other words, we try to figure out what we can or must do to gain God's approval. We, Folks, it has just been one of those wrestles that is so prevalent, not just in the outside world, the unbelieving world, but even within the church today. Okay? And Scripture reveals that our relationship with God is completely opposite to that thought or that mindset. Jesus came and Jesus lived as a man on this earth and he did not sin. The second Adam, Jesus Christ, lived perfectly how God intended Adam, the first Adam, to live. His perfect life made him eligible then to take the penalty of your sin and my sin on himself because he did not have his own debt of sin to pay. It's as simple as that. So if we confess Jesus as Savior, God sees us as having kept the law perfectly with no debt of sin. It's because of Jesus Christ that God sees us as having kept the law perfectly because Jesus Christ has done it for you. Now, I'm going to add something in here that's not in my notes, but this was a big argument that the Apostle Paul uh, confronts in, in Romans chapter 6 Then, because there were people that would then say, well, what, what shall we do then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may increase? Because there were actually people who were saying, well, if this is it, Jesus has paid it all. We can do whatever we want. The answer is, eh, no. That's not what it is. He says, may it never be. It's not, a, it's not a license to sin more. Okay? So some scriptures that I just want to read to you. Romans 3, 9 through 12. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jew, Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. That's where that song, He is Worthy, is so important to us, guys. Is anyone worthy? There's only one. His name is Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 1 Peter chapter 2, 22 and 24. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Romans chapter 3, 23 and 24, for all is sinned and falls short of the glory of God. We all know that verse, but 24 goes on to say, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. 
Second Corinthians 5, 21, a verse that I quoted. For your sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So as we ask this first question in how does this affect our relationship with God, what does this truth mean in that relationship, then here it is. Jesus did it all. Jesus paid it all. And Jesus bridged the gap between you and, and God. It's a done deal. Okay? The second question then, what does this truth mean in my relationship with humanity? And here's the deal as we, as we wrestle through and as we approach these things, God has made it clear that we cannot keep his law perfectly. Okay? Neither can those that we live with or those that we interact with on a daily basis for we have all fallen. You know, one of the authors that I love to read, he's talking about relationships and, he, and, he, and he's talking specifically about marriage. And he says, well, let's just get, get this one thing straight. You're a sinner and you married a sinner. So far, we're on equal ground. All right? The title of his series is, What Did You Expect? It's very sobering, but very true. Folks, what do we expect when we go out in the world we live in? Why do we expect people who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ to live like Christians? Shame on us. Folks, if we're broken and only redeemed because of Jesus Christ and they're still broken and don't have Christ, what do we expect? We need to step into the world in the grace of Jesus Christ and be his grace and mercy and kindness and forgiveness and love and truth. The question, how does this truth, what does this truth mean in our relationship to humanity? God knows that we're, we're fallen. As believers, though, it is important to interact with others, but to interact with the grace of Christ in us. We know that we were once dead in our sin, then rescued by God's grace through, through Christ's death on the cross and given a new life with the ability to know God and to love God and to live within his power, to live with his power in us. We know that. Folks, can I just tell you this about yesterday? I had people, there were some people there that were praying for me. And this was probably one of the most ruckus crowds that I ever had to speak to. And it was just crazy, noisy. And as I began to talk, it just got quieter and quieter and quieter to where you could almost hear a pin drop. God quieted that crowd. The power of God moved in that crowd, not because of me, but because God wanted his message to be heard. So we must remember that, that, that we are broken and, 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 and I know some of you don't like that because, well, it's like, no, I'm not broken anymore. Well, the Apostle Paul later on in, in Romans 7 says, I wanted to do good, but sin was right there with me. So, folks, this is a battle that you and I will wrestle with until the Lord Jesus Christ returns and calls us home. I am broken and so is everyone else around me, but in Christ I have been given everything I need to live a holy and godly life. That is a promise out of 1 Peter or 2 Peter 1. In Christ's power, we become his conduit, if you will, of God's grace towards those who cannot and do not keep the law perfectly. 
We must understand that. So the law shows us our need to depend on God to be our righteousness. Lord, be my righteousness. Be that in me. In fact, not only do we, does, is, he is our righteousness because of Christ. So our purpose as believers on this earth is to help others receive the gift of salvation and be restored relationally to God and to others through Jesus Christ. That is our purpose and that is the only reason we're still here. I really believe that firmly. Because I do believe that one day God's going to call the trumpet home, to call us home. Okay, But here's the deal. If that wasn't our purpose, because Jesus gives that same mandate in Acts chapter 1, go ye therefore into all the world. If that wasn't the purpose for us being here today, the moment that you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I believe you would be in the presence of God. If that wasn't the purpose, that we would be God's light, God's conduit, God's redemptive story in human form. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 2 say this. You were dead in your, tresp uh, dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the courses or the course of this world, following the prince of the uh, power of, uh, of the air, this, uh, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. You were once there. You were once dead. 1 John chapter 4, 7 and 8. And verse 11, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 2 Corinthians 5, again, 20 and 21. I'm going to add verse 20 to this. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, making God, uh, uh, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And in Luke chapter 6, 36, be merciful even as your father is merciful. Folks, the power of Christ in us changes Everything. It is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live in Christ, the power of Christ. Galatians 2.20. So we've asked the vertical question and we've asked the horizontal question. And then the, we have to ask the practical, uh, the practical question, the application, if you will. And I've only got 25 pages left. You guys with me? No, just, all right, here here it is. It's six font, not six font. It's a, it's a 35 font. You know, there's one word on a page. So, um, but the question is, how can I put this truth in a, into action? You see, we can know. We can know intellectually. We can know theologically. We can know uh, intellectually that this is the right thing. We have this vertical relationship that has now been restored, and we see how it now works, or it can work with our human relationships. But we have to ask the question. And so here it is. The next time that someone makes a mistake or someone, uh, someone does something to you that, uh, that affects you, that hurts you, that, that uh, does something to you, here's what I want to just challenge you and I with. Make a point to respond to them in light of how God respond, responds to your, to our inability to be perfect. 
That's hard. Okay? When someone does something to you, make a point to respond to them in light of how God responds to our inability to be perfect. Try not to not, try not only to refrain from anger or a negative response. Instead, extend the same grace that God gave you in Christ Jesus. Be gracious and think of ways to bless that person. Move towards that person, not away from them. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, driving in an area that you're not used to, and then, you know, like I drive, and, and Teresa's my co-pilot director, and uh, we're so opposite. <laughs> we're really opposite. I mean, she could almost say turn right, and I would turn left. Okay, I mean, we just see it's just crazy, and it's just I just love the fact that God has put us together. But I'm telling you, there were times in the moment of trying to move through traffic that that it was crazy, and all of a sudden. You know, it's like Teresa's trying to help and I'm trying to drive and it's just getting kind of crazy, crazy. And pretty soon, if we're not careful, and you guys know what I'm going to say, pretty soon we're attacking each other and we're just trying to figure out where to park or where to turn. And it's the parking that's the issue, not the person. But, but pretty soon, because of our personalities and the way that we see things and maybe out of fear or, or whatever it might be, sometimes we feel attacked or we feel like, we're not in control or whatever it might be. And my friends, we just need to step towards the person, not away from them. Because that's what Jesus Christ did to you. He stepped towards you, towards the cross, not away from it. As God's love uh, drew us and draws us near to him, so our expression of love should be uh, to draw people to God. Folks, it's it's, it's, not, it's not Teresa that I need to battle at that moment in time. It's that she and I need to work together and I need to just be gentle and, and loving and, and, and just and, and hear her and, 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 uh, and then not react or, or respond or just blow up at her. And you, you guys know what I'm talking about. This isn't just something that happens out there once in a while. Okay, This is everyday stuff right here. And we need to, we, because God drew us to him, then it's my responsibility, your responsibility to draw other people to God because God's the only answer. In that moment of potential conflict, you and I need to ask God to, to, to help us press in with His love. Lord, help me to love. Help me in this moment to step towards Teresa or someone else. Because everything inside of me, I wanted to do good and sin was right there with me. The bad side, the sin side says, no, I just want my own way, my own wants, my own desires. In some of those cases, I just want out. No, God, help me to step towards, to press in with your love. We, are, we were never meant, folks, we were never meant to be the Savior. We were meant to be God's a conduit to lead others to the Savior. It's not for us to save the world. It's not for us to change the world. It's for us to lead people to the one who does save, who does protect, who does heal, who does restore, who does the transforming work in our lives. Colossians chapter 3, uh, 13 and 14. 
if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, uh, forgive, uh, forgiving each other. Um, and above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. But I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. I love that. Lord, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't know what to do. And, and it's, it's God gives generously without reproach. God's not going to look at you and go, I'm sorry you don't know that one. Shame on you. No, without reproach. So the good news, that is our inability to keep the law of God perfectly became the very backdrop for the greatest news ever. And it is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that brings us life and hope. Though we were unable to keep the law perfectly, there is one who did just that for you and I, and his name is Jesus Christ. And I just can't say it enough. Jesus faithfully obeyed his father, even to the point of death on the cross, so that we who put our trust in him might uh, no longer live under the, the, the power of guilt, the power of, of, of sin, and the power of the bondage of sin. But we have been set free in Jesus Christ. Amen? We have been set free. In Christ, we have been set free. That doesn't mean that you and I won't struggle, but we have been set free. Jesus said himself, so if the Son, of, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. John chapter 8, verse 36. And so... Though we fell in Adam, we have been raised with Christ. We now have the confidence in God who raised Jesus from the dead. That he is lovingly, folks, he is lovingly at work in us, in you, in me. And he will not let us go until the day that he brings us into his everlasting presence in glory. Where we will no longer struggle where we will no longer struggle. There, there we will find, we will, we will finally and fully and freely obey the one who made us and redeemed us. Folks, one day, it will all be restored to God's intended plan. That doesn't mean that we live in this life hopelessly because in Christ we have been set free. We have been redeemed. God is transforming. God is renewing. God is restoring. He is sanctifying. He is making us more like his son each and every day. And I just want to say this. You can join him in that journey or you can fight him every step of the way. But can I just tell you something? If you're his... He's going to win. Can I just tell you that? He is going to win. He is going to win. It will be his wants, his wishes, and his desires, not yours, not mine. He will win. If you truly belong to Jesus Christ today, he will win. And you will be made like Christ. And you and I will fully, freely, Obey him because he has redeemed us.
So for now, we must stop trying. And not only start relying, but keep relying. Every single day of our lives. Keep relying on the one who lives in us. Keep trusting. Keep looking to him. Keep seeking him. Keep asking him. Keep surrendering to him. Like the song says, Lord, I need you. I need him every day, every, every hour, every moment of the day, and so do you. We need the God of our salvation, Jesus Christ. With that in mind, let's stand as we sing that song. We're going to sing it with video. Uh, the Lord is my salvation. I know we sang it last week, um, but we're just going to sing it with the video and, uh, and uh, just sing it out because it is the truth, folks. The Lord is our salvation.
Father, as we go from here today, may we be your light, may we be your peace, your hope, your grace in our own homes, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and Lord, in the world that we live in today. May we be the light of your salvation. God, we thank you for what you have done. We thank you that your law drives us to the cross to Jesus Christ, the Lord of our salvation. We ask that you would guide us and direct us as we go from here today. And we thank you in Jesus' wonderful and glorious and precious name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless as you go today.